Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge podcast, where we discuss creatives of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, and on this episode, we speak with Sujata Day, star, writer, and director of her feature debut film, Definition Please. Hi, Sujata. Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy to be here. Yay. Spectrum Love. Yes. yes. Thank you. Yeah. I, I got to see Definition, please. So this is your first full length, full length feature film, correct? Yes. My first okay. one. Your first one. So congratulations. I know it, it screened recently at the Bentonville Film, Bentonville film Festival. How was that? Yeah. That was really great, actually. I was coming back as an alumni. My short screened there in 2018. And so it was actually really great premiering there because I was, it felt like I was coming home. The only kind of disappointing thing about it was obviously this year all the festivals are virtual. So I would have loved to have traveled to Arkansas to have seen the film with audiences and mm-hmm. we're missing out on that, but that's okay. Right. I want everyone to be yeah. safe. I don't want anyone going to theaters. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a tough one. I know that like movie theaters are opening up again and I'm seeing like, I think Tenet is out. There's some other ones and I'm like, Mm-mm, I'm not ready. Yeah, <laughs> You'll see me I'm in 2020, not- 2022. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely not ready to go back to movie theaters, but I'm down to like go to a drive-in. So Yes, I've heard about those. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be cool if some of these movies come out in drive-ins and then I'll just, you know, drive the 40 minutes to get there and take my snacks and it'll be all great. Yeah, yeah. So so tell us about Definition, Please. What is it about? And tell us about your character. So Definition, Please is about a girl who has won the National Spelling Bee at a very young age. And we fast forwarded about 15 years later, and she has not achieved anything else in her life. She's a loser. She lives at home. She's taking care of her mom. She tutors kids in her neighborhood on spelling, and that's her life. And we realized that she does have a job opportunity coming up in Cleveland, but she's hesitant to take it. And we're taking on a journey of figuring out okay, why has this girl not achieved anything? And we realize it's because of her relationship with her estranged brother, Sonny. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. and it's it's a dramedy film about a South Asian American family. And I just, I'm super inspired by so many independent films and a couple sibling dramedies that I, I was inspired by are You Can Count on Me and The Savages and Skeleton Twins. And I realized that all these indie films that I love and watch so much have white faces in them. And they're about white families and white brothers and sisters. And I was like, oh, I want to make a film with a brown family that has Mm -hmm. similar issues that everyone deals with, which is mental illness and love and loss and relationships. And that was my initial inspiration going into writing the film. Um, In addition to me being a former Spelling Bee winner. I did um, not know that. Okay. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think that sounds a lot better than it is because I was the Spelling Bee winner of my fourth grade, but there were only 10 people in my fourth grade. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I went to regionals after winning the fourth grade spelling bee and I got out in the first round and I misspelled the word radish. I spelled it with two D's instead of one. I know. I feel like it's always the simple words that kind of trip you up. Yeah. It is always the simple words because you get up there and you're nervous and everybody's looking at you. And I wasn't one of those spelling bee kids that was trained to be a speller. I was not aware that you had to ask all these other questions so that you had more time to think about spelling the word. Like you want to ask definition, please. And you want to ask language of origin and you want to say, can you please say the word again? And I was not trained in any of that. My parents were just like, great, you want a spelling bee, go do your thing. And and so when I got back to school, all my friends were clowning me for missing a really, really easy word. And you know what? I deserved it. I definitely deserved that clowning. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, you are starring in it. You vote directed and produced that. So what was that like wearing all those hats um, for, for your first film? Yeah, it was a lot, but I, so I have an engineering degree. I was a good Indian daughter and mm-hmm. I got my engineering degree and then I moved out to LA and I got into entertainment and I was already writing and acting and it was a natural transition for me. And I think something about that engineering brain really Mm -hmm. helps with entertainment because it helps me in writing in terms of structure and characters. And it also helps me because I'm overprepared for everything. So even with this film, once I had the shooting draft ready, the shooting script, I put it away and I was like, okay, that's it. No more changes to the script. And that's when we started casting and sending it out to actors and getting investors on board to finance the film. And once we were in prep, I was made sure I did my storyboards. I made sure that I, um, in terms of directing, I wanted to have movie dates with my DP, Brooks Ludwig. So he would come over and we would, we would watch certain movies that had handheld cinematography so that he would, know what I wanted when we were on set because I knew that I wouldn't be able to watch a lot of playback because I was acting and we didn't have a ton of time to shoot it. And so in terms of prepping for to be the director, I did all of these kind of checklists of things. I would have my actors over to my apartment in Los Angeles to do some just very casual readings of the script. And even with the kids in the film, I had them come over and we de- we didn't really do reading from the script. We did more improv exercises because I felt like with kids, it would just be better for them to be free as themselves and then just get to set. And, and I had faith that they would know their lines and they did. Right. And so that was kind of my director prep. And then once we got to uh, Greensburg, where I shot the film, my hometown in Pennsylvania, we went into my director or my producer brain. So we were looking for locations. We were looking for catering. We were fixing problems in terms of if one location fell out, then we had to find another location. And if the tax credit wasn't going to work out, then we had to figure out another way. And then once we got to shooting, once I got to set, I would 
kind of transition between being an actor and director because I wanted to be there fully for my co-actors and make sure that they felt nurtured and safe to you know, express whatever they wanted to express in that moment. And they felt ready to take risks and go anywhere they wanted to go in terms of emotion. But I also had to make sure that I was, you know, acting well too. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) But honestly, that was, that was part of me hiring or getting such an amazing cast because I knew Uh that I, even with Ritesh Rajan, who plays uh-huh. the character of Sonny, when he came over for that initial cold read at my apartment, I was just, you know, I was just going to be casual reading off the sides. And he is like full on bawling on my couch during the scenes. And I said to myself, I was like, oh shit, I got to get on his level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was just like bringing it from day zero, you know? So. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was bringing it and I was so impressed and I was like, okay, maybe should I go take some acting classes or something? <laughs> <laughs> he's he really good. I mean, the two of you are great, but I mean, I was watching like that. I, I can't recall. I, I'd have to look at um, uh, Tesh's um, IMDb, but I feel like this is the first time I've seen him in actual. Maybe I've seen him in stuff, but I was just like, like the brother sister dynamic that the two of you have. It's, it's, it feels so real and so lived in. I mean, did you guys know each other before he auditioned or? Yeah, we did actually. We met each other a couple years ago. We were on uh, a panel for Diverse Voices. Mm-hmm. And then after the panel, we started talking to each other and it was, it, it felt like a kinship. And then we had a mutual friend there who's a musician and we both, Tesh and I both brought up that we had auditioned for the live action Aladdin. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we had both auditioned for Aladdin and we were talking about it. And then AJ, our mutual friend there was like, Hey, I, I have this live show called crazy talented Asians. Would you guys want to come sing a whole new world? And, and I said, well, I don't really want to sing A Whole New World, but I would love to write it as a parody and we can sing that version. Right. So so I wrote a version called A Diverse Film, which is, you know, just clowning diversity in Hollywood in terms of actually, you know, like Oscar So White, all the things that we're talking about right now. Yes, yes. And so we shot a video for it and then we also performed it at this live show and it was my first time singing in public that was not karaoke. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so that was quite a nerve wracking experience, but throughout all of this, Tesh and I had become really good friends and we had a natural bond. And so once I was, you know, looking to cast my brother, he was one of the first people that I reached out to and he said yes right away. So, yeah, I mean, I have to admit, I mean, when I saw the trailer, for uh definition please i mean i was just sort of like kudos for the man candy in this movie because well damn i mean tosh he's gorgeous then you've got jake Choi, who plays your love interest and jake is a friend of the spectrum lounge jake and i have been friends for a few years yeah and and also tim chu who plays the doc i was just like okay i guess she knows what to get us to watch this movie (laughs) 
<laughs> Listen, I've had really, I've been inspired by so many amazing women who know how to cast men in their projects. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that it happened in Awkward Black Girl, it happened in Insecure. And I, I feel like a lot of that has rubbed off on me. <laughs> yeah. No, and I think that's a good thing because, I mean, t- traditionally when you look at film, and I think that's one of the things that I love about Definition Please is like usually movies, is it's usually about the male gaze, about the objectification of women. I'm like, well, I think it's OK to objectify men and particularly where you talk about men of Asian descent um, in Hollywood. You know, they have a specific history of that where they're not really seen as desirable or, or, or sexy. And Definition Please definitely, you know, kind of puts them it puts them in that realm. I, I, I really like that. Yeah, yeah, that was something that I did definitely on purpose. And in terms of casting my love interest, you know, there were a lot of different ways I could go. And and I decided to deliberately make my love interest Asian because I am all about defying stereotypes and Jake is super hot. And mm-hmm. it was really fun to do those scenes with him and he was up for anything. And... So I am just really happy that I could kind of turn the tables on the sexual gaze in my film. Cause that was, it's always fun to do that. And even Tesh and Jake were saying that when they were, that when they had downtime, they were, they were doing sit-ups and push-ups and <laughs> because Tesh in that one scene is in his tidy whities And then Jake is like, has got his bare ass out on the couch. Yep. And so that was funny to hear because that was something that I heard from the boys on Insecure because we, all the girls, we would just be eating and going to Crafty and, you know, Mm. eating our mac and cheese or whatever. And, and the boys would just be in their trailers like working out because they would have their shirts off and they would be, you know, doing sit-ups and squats. And we'd be like, oh, we're just like munching on potato chips right now. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. And and I think it's cool, too. I mean, because particularly like with your movie with Insecure, um, you know, there's this idea that I mean, not that I have anything about inter- anything against interracial relations, but there some tends to be this idea that if you have a lead actress of color, that the love interest, especially if he's going to be hot, has to be a white guy. And I'm like, I think we can expand this. I'm pretty sure we can do that. Um yeah, I think that's really yeah. important to expand because I, I think that might come from some kind of financial strategy for studios mm. who do that because they're like, oh, okay, so the black girl is our lead, so we got to get a white audience in here. And it's just like, what are you talking about? That doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me. You know, there's there's couples of all different races and why can't we celebrate all of it? Right. Yeah, I, I remember um, Gina Prince-Bythewood when she did uh, Beyond the Lights. Um, she said that the reason why she said that it was it was such a fight to get the movie made because when she she said she pitched it to every major studio and they're like, OK, well, we love this story. We lo- I mean, it's a pop star. I mean, who doesn't love music, a musical? But I love the, Beyond the Lights. So good. Yeah. And she said the one thing that they kept saying to her at all these meetings were, you have to get a white male lead. Like we, we cannot sell this movie if it has two black leads or two leads of color. So I think at one point, I think Channing Tatum was in the mix. Like, and she oh. was just very, 
she was adamant about that. She was like, nope, <laughs> that's not happening. This is this is a black love story. And, and that's that. So, I mean, you know, she kind of had to go outside and make it, you know, independently. But it's it, it's sad. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you've been in the business. I'm, I'm sure you understand that, too. Like, yeah, it's sort of like this financial strategy of sort of like splitting the baby, so to, so to speak, or some sort of mainstream appeal, I guess. Yeah, which um, doesn't, it doesn't even, like, where are the numbers for that? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I want to see those financial numbers, you know? Right. Because yeah. they are just pulling, pulling these things out of their heads. And then you see movies like Crazy Rich Asians or Beyond the Lights do really well internationally. And you're just like, um, you are not correct, sir. You know, <laughs> it's always a sir. It's always a sir. Always. Um, yeah. Always. Yes. Um, so, no, go ahead. Um, no, I was just, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, um, the thing with definition, please, is like when I think about it, uh, some of the things that the, sh- that the movie um, addresses, like I'm very much obsessed with like first gen type of narratives, right? Like going back to, um, you know, Master of None that was on Netflix or even going back to Mississippi Masala. Like uh, it's very interesting because I mean, well, yes, I am black, but I am first gen. My, my parents immigrated from Haiti, but I've always felt like there's been sort of like when I watch these sort of um, first gen South Asian or even Asian narratives, I always feel like I can see a lot of myself or a lot of what's going on is sort of like that whole model minority you know, representation and, you know, how, you know, your parents came here and they work so hard and you've got to do better or whatever. And so um, I do know that Datari Turner is is one of the producers. Um, he's a, a prolific Black producer in Hollywood. How did that happen? How did, how did you get him on board to produce um, Definition, Please? He's great. So I've known him for a couple of years now and I'm trying to remember when I first met him. I think I, I've been going to Sundance Film Festival since 2017. And maybe I met him there because he always seems to have a movie there. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie definition, please was really inspired by my friend, Justin Chan's movie gook. Mm-hmm. And, and Datari was one of the producers of gook, which premiered at Sundance in 2017. And I had taken Justin aside after I saw the film. Cause I was so blown away. And I was like, Oh my gosh, how did you get this movie made? This is amazing. What did you do? Tell me mm-hmm. everything. And he said, Girl, I just got my friends, my family, they threw in money and I just like shot it and went out and shot it. And then I got these producers on board, and Datari was one of them. And I believe that's when we met him, but I don't exactly know if that was it because I know we've like had lunch a couple times and hung out, and we were always looking for things to work on together. And he, just has such a great eye for indie film. And he was a producer on Justin's second movie, Ms. Purple. And mm. uh, there was another movie, A Boy, A Girl, A Dream, that also premiered at Sundance a couple years yes. ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he's just been such a great um, support for indie filmmakers. And it was great to bring him on board. And when I told him about it, he was really excited. And so he we've become friends and he's just a great support and he's wonderful. So 
it's really good in Hollywood when you find those peoples that you click with and connect with and you have similar goals in terms of your projects. And for Datari, I feel like most of his films are the subject matter is marginalized voices that have never been seen on screen. And Mm -hmm. so it's really, it was really exciting to have him come on board as a producer. Right. You know, I always talk to my friend, I I jokingly, I've always said that I feel like there's this synergy between like black and Asian, Asian American directors. I was like, if we we could like totally take over (laughs) the industry, because I look at like something like Atlanta, right? Like with um, Donald, Donald Glover and his collaborators here on And, you know, of course, we have these, you know, political kind of riffs too. But I do feel like there is a history as far as history, a a history of Hollywood of of black, um, you know, black creators and Asian American creators that we can sort of help each other, you know what I mean? To open doors. It doesn't mean that one representation is more important than the other, but like when we actually work together and that's including, you know, Latino creatives or whatever. um, Yeah. Yeah, I just wonder about that. I definitely believe that because even there's once when you were saying that a a picture comes to my mind of, I think it was at the Oscars when the black Panther cast took a picture with the crazy rich Asians cast. Yes. Yes. And and I was like, Oh my God, this is legendary. It is. Yeah. And it's all about, it's all about success in numbers. And I think Mm -hmm. we're learning that more and more, especially throughout the past like five or 10 years, it's not about, competitiveness between ourselves. It's about, oh, you're doing that project? Cool. Let me help you with that. And then, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. That sounds like something I'm interested in. And and th- there's been this kind of wave of, you know, Asian and Black creatives just come together, which is really, really exciting. Right, right. Well, I know a lot of people know you from um, Awkward Black Girl, the the web series that was created and starring Issa Rae, and you played her best friend Cece. Um, and then you also, and then you were also in the first three seasons of Insecure. Um, what kind of creative um, advice have you gotten, like working with Issa and also working on Insecure, seeing a show that is built around you know black creators in front of and behind of the cameras? What did you take from that in in, in making this film and just going forward with your other projects? Oh, I took so much. I took probably 110% of my filmmaking philosophy from that journey of meeting Issa Rae on Twitter over eight years ago and then mm-hmm. being on Awkward Black Girl and watching um, her create this story about a Black girl that had never been told before and watching black women audiences really connect to that character and be like, Oh my gosh, I've never seen this on screen. And and it was really cool to see that. And also watching Issa put it on her credit cards and just being like, well, we'll just put it on the credit card. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That's what I'm going to do. You know? (laughs) (laughs) And, and then obviously then, you know, getting to the set, to the HBO set on the first day of Insecure, I was like, oh my God, how far we've come. Right. <laughs> it was just, right. It was, it was really mind blowing. And it was a testament to Issa's hard work and not giving up and really believing in her voice and her story and her authentic um, point of view and her characters. And then gathering her team with Prentice and Melina and Ava and all of these powerful 
people of color, especially women of color, and mm-hmm. you you would get to the set and from the you know the executives all the way down to the PAs were women of color, and you're watching all these you know young girls running around the set, and you're like, oh, these are these are the creatives of tomorrow, and she's she's helping them, you know. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, that's something that. I strive for that's one of my goals is that I want to see what what is changing in Hollywood quicker than the other thing is is seeing these different faces on camera which is great we're getting more diversity on screen but we have to match it up with the diversity behind the scenes and it has to be the producers it has to be the writers it has to be the directors it has to be um you know, the PAs, it has to be the gaffers, it has to be lighting and, you know, the camera team. So I do feel strongly that Hollywood needs to take really drastic steps in terms of um, changing what's going on behind the scenes. And and I want to help in doing that. So that's what I also did for Definition Please in my film. Right. I did want to talk about one of the things that that definition please uh deals with is uh your brother in the the uh Tush's character is dealing with with mental illness and I really appreciated the sensitivity that it was and how it was handled because usually I mean unfortunately sometimes mental health or mental illness uh sometimes in TV and film it it just further stigmatizes people who have mental illness and I feel like with this movie it was really talking about how mental illness not only impacts the person who has the illness, but how it impacts the family as well. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about like the research and, and just kind of crafting that character and just really, you know, having that sensitivity to, to not marginalize that character or to stigmatize mental illness? Yes. The mental illness aspect in my film was, I would say, cultivated throughout my life. And I, it goes back to the model minority um, uh, theme because in Pittsburgh where I was growing up, there were three temples. And so I did go to my white suburban high school, but then on the weekends I was hanging out with my Indian friends and I was doing dance classes at the temple. I was going to Hindu temple summer camp. And a lot of my best friends were Indian American And as we were looking around, as we were growing up and we came into our tween and teen years, I could see that like there would be like, I don't know, like Anand would run away for like one or two weeks. And then his parents would be like, why, why did Anand run away? You know, he, he has everything he needs here. We live in a big house and he's getting good grades and he's going to be a doctor. And us kids were like, um, he's obviously like super stressed out and depressed and he needs therapy, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so none of the parents' generation who were all immigrants were willing to hear that, you know, because they were like, oh, we, we sacrifice so much and we just deal with our problems and we don't talk about them and everything is silent. And us kids, we'd be like, mm, this is, this is not good. And, and even when I went to college, I went to a science tech engineering school. There were a lot of people who were attempting suicide or committed suicide. And, and so, so I've been around these stressed out kids. Some of them have been my friends. And then 
I also wanted to, I have a family member with mental illness. And so I've seen it, you know, right in front of me my entire life. And I knew how to portray it in an authentic way because it, it the stories were all there. There a lot of them are memories. And so it was important to me to make sure to show that in a very specific real grounded way. And one of uh, one of the actors in the film I believe had studied psychology and and she plays the mom of the spelling bee kid she plays the tiger mom yes and yes and she read the script and she's like oh wow like you you really portrayed uh bipolar in a very real way like kudos to you and I was like well you know I've had I've had a lot of experience with it so it was something very important to me to show in a way that wasn't, you know, it wasn't a joke. It wasn't stigmatized. And also just in terms of my community and Asian American community and, you know, black communities where we, it's really hard to talk about mental illness. Mm -hmm. I hope that people who see the movie are watching it with their families and they're like, Oh, listen, like this is, you know, I want to talk about this. Let's start communicating about this because it's a huge issue for us and it doesn't get out there very much. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Um, Could you let our listeners know where they can find you on, on social media? Yeah. So on Twitter, on Instagram and Facebook, I am at Sujata Day. And then Definition Please also has its own social medias. And we're Definition Please on Instagram and uh, Facebook. And then on Twitter, we're Defin Please, D-E-F-N-P-L-E-A-S-E. Great. Well, thank you so much for listening. And I will see you on the other side, listeners. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Rebecca.